Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 37. No, it's not a new wrestling league. Recorded January 29th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. This week, Chris is going to walk us through his experiences with the XC, XFCE, XCFE, which is it? X, XFCE. XFCE. It's another thing that's wrong in the notes, and I didn't. See, <clears throat> I go so brain dead once the mic comes on. <laughs> the XFCE desktop that he's been piddling with. So I'll go ahead and introduce Chris to you. Hey, Chris Neves, the command line godfather. How's it going, brother? Uh, so far, so good tonight. Good. So are you ready to bring all the content so I can sit back and uh, sip my cool cool beverage? You mean uh, like normal? Oh, that <laughs> hurt me. I'm not saying you're wrong, but that hurt me. Well, you should be used to it by now, Mark. You should be used to it. And with us also this week is our um, n- noob in residence. <laughs> Man, my brain is not engaged. Mr. Aaron Butler, the former fat guy. Hey, Aaron, what's going on? Tonight in the XFCE, Linux takes on Microsoft. It's a smashdown for all times. I know it did. Okay. It did sound like a wrestling league, didn't it? I did. Yeah. We should have had Josh on the <laughs> And uh, you can see, like Doss is the manager, the yeah. guy who throws the chair in and distracts the ref. There you go. <laughs> and uh, our uh, gooey kid, Seth Anderson, isn't with us this week. His mom is in the hospital. Mom, we wish you a speedy recovery. And Seth, we look forward to you returning in the near future. Uh, so without further ado, uh, I guess we'll move on to the further ado. Uh, Chris, tell us about why Android, uh, why um, Google Docs sucks, on, not just on yours, but on all Android devices. Well, and I, I don't know if it's just the Kindle app that I'm using. No, or if it's just it's anything in general, um, because like today I was trying to work on our notes uh, while I was working, and yeah, in, I noticed that I could download the notes, I could edit them all I wanted, but when I tried to send them back to the Googleverse, it fails. Yeah. So that's kind of a fail for anything doing with Android. If, if that's going to be the uh, continuing thing, it's going to be rough to topple anything if you can't edit your documents and if you're using the native linux app on on something that the android excuse me the native android app you can see everything and it looks great but you get one line of edit at a time which you can't change the formatting or font size or anything else on right yeah i've i've got google docs on my android phone and to say it's um Kludgy, you know problematic any other derogatory terms you can think of is being fairly nice to it it's slightly above unusable. <laughs> so it's like Google's two flagship products that don't work together. Thank you, yeah. Google. Appreciate that. Yeah. Like, well, Taking a bit actually- from Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is actually through the uh, a separate third-party app. Um, I think it's uh, – I don't want to quote it wrong, so I'm looking it up right now and see if it's – if I have it listed, I, th- I think it's Quick Office. Quick Office, I've used that one. Uh, yeah. Polaris Office is another one I've used. Uh, that one is a little better in that you can download the app, you can work it, and it's a really nice editor environment. But when you push it up, it pushes it as a new app. It doesn't new document. Go, yeah, new document. It doesn't yeah, it go doesn't with sync. the one that it you've just, done, right? No, the one that I have actually tries to sync it, but since it just it's fails. a <laughs> yeah, it, it, it gives a, a, an error message saying, "Oh, we can't do this." But if you start a document and there's no other people sharing it, it works great. Yeah, and then there's one called GDocs, which is yeah. pretty good, but it strips all formatting. So you take a really nice uh, multi-point bullet 
thing and you change one line on it and upload it and it's flat text from then it on. It turns into Notepad. <laughs> exactly right. It's the Notepad wow. of Android. Yeah, that's what I've used is, is G-Docs. I actually haven't tried to do it with QuickOffice, which I have that installed too, but I haven't tried to open a Google Doc with QuickOffice on my phone before. But. See, now the free version of QuickOffice, you can read it all you want, but you can't edit it. Maybe that's why I haven't tried that's it. Right, though. right. And it looks good. It, it, yeah, it looks great. And, and, and like I said, I, I don't have... There's two office suites that I was looking at, and I bought the cheaper of the two, and I think I probably might have bought the wrong one. So I'll let, you, I'll let all of our listeners know what I if I end up biting the bullet and picking up the other one and see if it helps any. Yeah, so far that, uh, you know, we're, Chris and I both are in education, uh, and that's a, a big hurdle to rolling out any Android devices, tablets or, or Android-powered uh, Atom desktops or anything like that, is the fact that it just doesn't work with uh, with Google Docs. And if you're immersed in the Google universe, Docs is a big deal. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Also, it's um, remarkably difficult, and I, and I guess I understand the divine design reasons, but it's remarkably difficult to mark a message as spam in the Gmail mobile app. It's buried two or three menus down. And I guess I just want to make sure you don't do that accidentally on that small interface. But still. Yeah, you have to hit more. You have to you have to hit the regular menu, then hit more, and then pick it. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So it's, uh, you know, that's complaining about Android. All right. Right. You've got to work hard to be stupid on that one, which is good. <laughs> that's right. So, Aaron, what do you got for us this week? Uh, I think I mentioned on the show before, I, I have a couple of friends that are kind of um, – you know, superpower user type people. One I think we have mentioned before that's like was a was a kernel level programmer guy for Yahoo. You know, working on their Red Hat or BS. What is it? B. BSD. Thank you. BSD kernels or something for their web servers. You know, at one point. Well, I have another friend. I think I've maybe mentioned him too. He is like uh, tier. What's the highest number you can make up that would be tier? You know, you only have tier one, two, and three. He's tier seven support for uh, for HP. For their proprietary Unix server uh, database, so it's re- it's related to Linux. Uh, he's he's so high up that literally his tier, there are four people that do his job. He does all of North and South America, and then there's a guy that does Europe and Africa, a guy that does the Middle East, and a guy that does Asia. Wow, and that's that's pretty much it. And uh, so he so when he works with customers, you know, his customers are Coca Cola, right. Intel. Exactly, so forth like that. So um, last week, or actually it was Friday, we went out to dinner with him, and I got there, he was on a call, and I said, so what was the call about? He said, one of Intel's Unix servers that runs part of their processing to make their chips had to be rebooted, and they wanted to know why. <laughs> <laughs> so like one of the servers that actually runs part of the automation that makes Intel processors had a problem, and he got the phone call about it. So uh, that's pretty, pretty high-level stuff. Um, yeah, kind of impressive. So he, you know, he, he works from home and he takes four or five, or not, not four or five, three or four trouble tickets a week to give you an idea of what what the kind of stuff he does. So is he just expected to spend days on each trouble ticket? Well, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's high level stuff, obviously, super proprietary HP database stuff. And like for this one, he had worked on it for a couple of days, came back with four points. You know, he thinks points one and two will resolve the problem going forward. But while he was in there, he also found three and four needed to be worked on to optimize it. So he, he's a he's an application slash database optimizer guy. He doesn't do the 
the deep, 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 deep down hardware part of it. He's actually the Unix software database Oracle person. So pretty interesting. He's he's got the he he's got that whole uh programming thing nailed down pretty tight then. Yeah, he's he says, you know, he sent he'll spend because I was telling you about Don working from home, you know, from one million workout who does computer support from home and how Don, cause we were talking about my standing desk that I'd made. Chris, I got, I made a standing desk for work, by the way, if you haven't seen the pictures, um, they'll cool. actually, you haven't seen them yet cause they'll come out Monday. I've got the, the post loaded to drop on Monday, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, asynchronously, uh, you will have seen it by the time there this we comes go. out. <laughs> Everybody drink now. Aaron said <laughs> asynchronously. <laughs> so like Don from, from one, one, one mil one workout, he does support and he stands up during the day. And he um, can wander around sometimes because he knows the application so well. He can talk somebody through it while he walks to the kitchen and gets a drink of water. But Kent, my friend that does the other, he can't do that because a lot of what he does that takes those hours like you're talking about, Mark, is looking through lines and lines and lines of output of diagnostic scripts and things like that, trying to find a problem or a weakness or whatever. But anyway, it's the granddaddy of Linux. It's Unix. It's the it's the, the mother load, you know, the... He, he sometimes he talks to me and I and I said Kent, all you said was one zero zero one one zero one zero one. What are you trying to say really in English? Can you please translate? Does he work on actual Linux or is it Unix? It's Unix. Yeah. It's actually it's called it's called H. It's HP. It's actually a, a proprietary HPUX. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think actually what it is HPUX. Yep. And with um, usually usually the servers he's working on, all of them are running HPUX, and most of them are some kind of Oracle database. Cool. So like his customers are, like I said, Intel, Coca-Cola, Amazon, uh, you know, that kind the of thing. The big dogs. Yeah, if yeah. anybody is out there uh, early on in their career looking for the uh, uh, what they want to do when they get big, uh, Oracle Databases. If you can become a master of Oracle Databases, there are only a couple of dozen in the whole world, and you can pretty much just write your own ticket and say, I want to work on my own private island with a butler and and five hey. showgirls walking around naked all day, and they will say, okay, fine. Not that we encourage that. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying it's possible. Yeah. Well, you really, um, you know, good DBAs are kind of hard to find. I guess especially good experienced DBAs. Right. Um, there's lots of people out there who have some kind of Microsoft database certification thing, and they, they've, in theory, backed up a database and restored it at one time. But somebody that actually understands database optimization and, uh, you know, how triggers work and, and indexes and, you know, what's the difference between an, uh, an RF, an RID lookup and an index seek and table scan and just, unless they do that kind of stuff all the time, people just, the average tech guy doesn't know that kind of thing. Yeah. See, I think one of the things that I always see a lot of people not doing is log reading. Cause I know I spend two weeks this last week with our schoolmaster system trying to figure out why something wasn't working correct correctly and i ended up digging through log files on both my untangled box and the schoolmaster server trying to figure out why so and that's let, one thing that just drives me crazy let me also just say because you installed drupal and it's got a mysql back end that doesn't mean you're a database administrator right yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i built this program in access one time 
Yeah. <laughs> so you're not a database administrator. Yeah. All right. You so know. even though the gooey kid wasn't here with us this week, he did bring in the news. I don't know if we've ever mentioned that on the show, but Seth is almost entirely responsible for the Linux news section of the show. He, he He's that in every show, isn't he? That's, yeah, <laughs> that's what he does. He goes out and finds this stuff, and uh, he makes the Linux news happen. So he, he left us a couple of stories. This first one is, is mildly interesting. Um, it's a, a, a tablet. It's called the Spark tablet and what's kind of cool is um it is it partly uh funds the kde project it runs kde it runs linux it's a full-on glass tablet it's a little okay it's a lot thicker than like an ipad or an asus transformer or something like that um and the battery life isn't as good and you know because it's a pc inside there and less uh, a tablet but um it's, uh, it's it's a laptop where they glued the monitor to the back of the keyboard. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's a laptop with a touchscreen uh, face on it. Um, but it uh, runs KDE, so if you're a KDE lover, as, as I know you are, Chris, yeah. um, you'll be happy in that environment. And the proceeds of it, part of the proceeds, go back to the uh, KDE project. So something that's to check out. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. That's, that's yeah. really cool, actually. Yeah, and it's. It, I see that it's using the plas. The it's called the KDE Plasma Active, which is a little bit different than the desktop right. version. You could enable this interface in pretty much any KDE environment, but it's kind of cool that that's what they're using. And it's inexpensive, two hundred seventy dollars. Um, it's got a a one gigahertz ARM processor. Um, Five twelve megs of RAM, four gigs of storage. So you know it's middling specs. Yeah. Well, actually, it has a separate, you know, four hundred megahertz looks like um, graphics processor with a half gig of RAM on it, which is better than some laptops do right. these days. <laughs> and you yeah, need I'd that say, if you're going to run KDE with Plasma and all the compo- compositing and everything. Right. You know, for but for the size of it, it I mean, it it doesn't look like a bad device. Yeah, like uh, um. Only an ice cream sandwich now are we getting any compositing at all, and it's fairly limited. As far as I know, there's not any compositing in the iOS. That's that's difficult. That tr- Compositing, what I mean there is transparent things where you can see behind other stuff and overlays. That takes a lot of horsepower, and most tablets don't have it. The fact that this does, uh, you know, makes it uh, a lot. And the, the video uh, that is on the website, it is pretty. There's lots of pretty yeah. going on there. Yeah. I mean, it looks real. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't look like a hacked-together... Oh, it's a Linux thing there. You can tell the the, the edges are kind of jagged on the box. Right. You know, I mean, it looks <laughs> it looks modern. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what KDE is getting too. I mean, it, it's it's my desktop by of choice right now, and it's uh, you know, you can do some things in KDE that you just wouldn't be able to do anywhere else. Yeah, they're well, ahead of GNOME in a lot of ways. That's one thing that even just think about this for for Linux users that you can even say, Chris, it's my desktop of choice. If I'm a Windows Seven user, guess what? I have the Windows 7 desktop. Of choice. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm a Mac user, guess what? I have the Steve Jobs desktop of choice, whichever one he told me I would have. You know, so that's, that's the, that's just, that's a nice thing about Linux that you can even just pick and choose. Sure, there's different, there's, they're forking in the problems of that and blah, 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 but people have choices. Well, even out of, if, if I were to weigh all the, the different desktops, the Apple, the Windows, and all the different Linux ones, KDE still wins in my book, right now at least. And everyone knows how, non-picky I am. I could change faster than I change my underwear. Well, and you, you know, you like to don't have pants on. It's easy to change your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to even take your pants off first. That's right. It okay. just, whoop, all done. So we mentioned <laughs> pants. Now I think it's time to move along. Um, and here's a, 
um, a how-to on dual booting Windows 7 and Linux Mint 12. Um, that's something that we've talked about a number of times before, but I don't think we've ever actually posted a link to it. So Seth has provided us a link on the Mint 12 is the most latest, most latest, the most recent version of Mint. And of course, Windows 7 is the, you mean the most, most latest, latest, recentest, the most latest <laughs> version of uh, uh, Windows ish is, is until Windows recent. 8 comes on. So, uh, right. Just a little leak there. If you've ever um, been wanting to try that out, so that's all I got to say about that. Well, and that links you to How To Forge, which is a great place anyway to know about when it comes to how to do something in Linux or just about anything. From what I remember of it, uh, it, it covers everything, and it's not just Wind or Linux based. There's there's things in there for. PHP and DNS and Does it have email. plans about making your own smoke cream, making your own bacon? I'm sure there could be if See, Mark I did would want to send it out there. So you only get that at the Element Opie forum. See how I work that in? <laughs> We've got asynchronous bacon pantsless. It's all three of our own uh, own memes that we <laughs> You are checking all the boxes. There you go. So the next thing that needs to come up is uh, interesting Star Wars T-shirts. And oh, actually, yep. I have one of those. I tweeted one uh, recently. It was a, a hilarious, uh, a, 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 I talk good. Um, <laughs> it was a funny thing, and I, I'd have to go back and find the link, but maybe I'll put it in the show notes. It was Darth Vader making fresh squeezed orange juice by force choking an orange. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I saw a great one today too. It had a stormtrooper sitting like at a table with his head in his hands, and below it, it said. When when those were the drawers you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and so the when next, you realize those were the drawers, that's right, what it was. When you realize the next link uh, that Seth has provided us is something I've heard bandied about a little bit. I'm not sure I care all that much, but it'll be interesting to see what you guys think. Microsoft has uh, posted an employment position uh, for a Linux uh, expert. They're trying to hire an open source expert to help put Linux on their Azure platform. Um, any thoughts on that? What's Azure? Yeah, I was just say we probably should let, you know put out there what is Azure. Azure is their uh, cloud offering. That's basically they're trying to do uh, the Google Docs thing and and more. They're actually uh, they want to put pretty much the whole operating system in the cloud. Microsoft just wanted to do this for a long time. They had the what they call it, the N computer or the Net computer or something like that. Way back when everybody was still on dial-up, they were trying to yep. sell $300 boxes that could only connect to the Internet and didn't have a local OS. I can't imagine why they didn't work. <laughs> no idea there. Time, maybe. Yeah. But it's kind of nice that they're, you know, they're actually bowing down and saying that, yeah, there must be enough people that want Linux on Azure. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been asking for this. Yeah, so think of think of Azure or Azure, or, uh, the jury's still out on the proper pronunciation of that, uh, as uh, Microsoft's Amazon SC3. Uh, yep. So you can you can spin up servers um, virtually at a you know anytime you need to and add them to your cluster. Uh, that that same sort of thing there, but at this point it's only Microsoft servers. So it looks like there has been enough demand that uh, because the web runs on Linux. Period. End of discussion. Yep. Uh, and so it looks like they're they're finally starting to realize that. Yeah, that's about time. You know, Microsoft isn't known for being nimble and quick. <laughs> things out. Really, nimble, quick? No. Except when they were stealing 
uh, a software they didn't own and selling it to IBM before they owned it. Bill Gates was really quick there. Uh, it was. Back in the old days of DOS. So, uh, Chris, uh, you gave us something uh, from t- TechCrunch about the Ubuntu HUD. Yeah, it's uh, supposedly this is the new interface for um, our lovely U- Ubuntu Ubuntu <laughs> interface. Yes, you got it. Second try. You got it right. Now if he can just uh, say untangle right, we'd be awesome. Untangle. There you go. <laughs> What's he normally anyway. say? He says untangled. He adds a D to it. Oh, I didn't realize well, it didn't have a D. It, no, yeah, it doesn't have a D, but I, before we were tangled up, and now we are untangled because of this new great product. But anyway, um, the, the HUD is the next step forward for Unity. And what this is, is they're taking um, a page from... Macintosh's uh, universal, um, like where file, edit, and view are, the, the t- that bar, and making it a universal thing that is searchable um, in all, I'm trying to think how to describe it, but anyway, you start typing what you're trying to do, and then the bar is smart enough to know what you're doing and give you the links for it. So like if you're in GIMP and you need to add a drop shadow and you type in drop, it automatically give you drop shadow as a choice. So it's a neat, interesting idea, and he says that the next step for this is that it would be a voice interactive thing. So, you know, like everyone wants to have, you know, a vo- you know, you talk to your computer and it does everything for you. Um, Mark, so it's Shuttle- like a, I'm sorry, because I was, I was trying to clarify for our listeners who maybe can't pull up the video or whatever, because what you said, it makes sense. But if I wasn't watching the video, then I might not understand it. It, it It's uh, like a virtual search ahead for any menu that's on the application that you're currently running. Right. Any any of the applications that are currently supported by this thing. Um, it, it, they they say that there's a lot of things that are supported, but you know at this point they really don't have a list. Um, but it's a neat idea. I just don't know how well you know someone's netbooks is going to run this thing. But yeah, what well, my issue with that, um, and it's it's maybe it's just me being a fuddy duddy, but I like discrete menus in each application. I don't like the Apple way of doing things where you go up to this file menu and the file menu changes depending on which window has focus. That yeah, annoys like that, yeah. me. Um, and, and it looks like, admittedly, this is a slicker way of doing it, but it's the same thing. You've got this one thing and what it does changes depending on what you're doing. I don't like that. I like to have every app self-contained, but that's everybody. Unity is moving away from that. Everything's moving away from that. There is no self-contained. There's apps running across this entire ribbon of flow of consciousness sort of thing. And, and, and you know, whatever. Um I'm 40. That means I'm old, and so, uh, well, almost 40. So it's time for me to 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 take my seat among the fuddy duddies, and uh, I'll accept that. See, I don't mind the idea. Uh, I think it's a. It should have been something that was pushed out a long time ago, in my personal opinion, because I like that, where the the menus change as which has focus. Because when you have as many desktops running as I do, <laughs> it, it gets a little confusing. Um, Mark, how many desktops do you run in a, in, on your machine? Uh, usually no more than three. Okay. I'm usually sitting in eight to 12. Yeah. So desktops, you're talking about windows, you're talking about desktops, virtual desktops in, in right. Linux. You have the, the virtual desktop thing or virtual workspaces, I guess. Is what they yeah, call I, guess I, I understand. I just want to make sure I was clarifying that you're not talking <laughs> about windows. You're talking about actual desktops. 
Yeah, actual workspaces. Um, yeah, my, the, my laptop at home only has eight because it doesn't have the horsepower to run any more than that. Uh, my workstation at work, it's running anywhere between 12 and 24, depending on the day. I I don't even know what to say to that. That's <laughs> It's mean, ludicrous. It's strange. ludicrous. I know. The, the only reason I'm doing it is because my OCD kicks in and i got to have things separated out. And when he drives his car, he has a laptop mounted on the right-hand <laughs> side. His Google phone has a little base that sticks on the steering wheel. He has a heads-up display in the rear-view mirror. <laughs> he well, has a projector if, in the ceiling to project on the mirror, the, the windshield <laughs> in front of him, so he can have it with a command line terminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they types with his feet. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part about this whole article, by the way, it's on uh, TechCrunch, is they refer to Mark Shuttleworth, Shuttleworth as Ubuntu's self-appointed benevolent dictator for life. Uh, <laughs> great title. Yeah, well, he's taking after Steve Jobs. Well, and uh, Ubuntu is his thing. Wearing black so turtlenecks and round glasses. <laughs> That'll become that. He'll be a vegan next week. Uh, and the next thing, um, that's it for our news. All right, now it's on to yeah. Xubuntu and the XFCE desktop environment. Christopher, it's all it's you. time for our main event. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday, Coming Sunday, to the ring. Sunday. Zubuntu versus KDE, Gnome and their likes. <laughs> So anyway, um, since you're always correcting me, Mark, it's it's not X Ubuntu, it's Zubuntu. Yes, sir. Oh. So yeah, says, it, says it's, it was something I was corrected on a long time ago. It's the the Z, the X is more of a Z sound on this one. But anyway, um, I'm going to be pointing this out on what I did is at work I installed the Zubuntu package, and then at home I installed XFCE package on my Linux Mint 12, 10 and 12. So, just as a as a quick overview, what I've seen is is when you first log in, it, you know, in KDE, it takes a long time for you to to get in to KDE. Uh, Gnome, it's not so bad. KDE is the worst, but Zubuntu and XFCE, from typing in your password to logging in, it was very very quick. Uh, I was actually kind of shocked at how fast the desktop was ready for you to work with it. Um, well, uh, before you go any further, describe the hardware you've got this running on. So when you say something like it was fast, uh, it was it fast on a Pentium 150 or fast on a 12-core processor? On the Spark tablet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, the home machine, it's on a, a Zeus laptop with a dual-core uh, 2.4 gigahertz processor with a NVIDIA chipset in it, uh, 4 gigs of RAM. At work, it's a Dell machine with uh, it's a four-core hyper-threaded Pentium with, uh, I think I got 24 gigs of RAM with a... Okay, that's um, a, so other than the RAM, those are fairly typical workstations, yeah. but that's a heck of a lot of RAM. Oh, well, when you virtualize as many machines as I do, you need to have it. So, but anyway, so the I'm not running Stellar hardware, and to have my desktop go from password to login faster than I can get up and go get a bottle of water was impressive because um, I'm usually log into my laptop, go get a bottle of water, and then sit down to get ready to work. Um, but we'd never I, get that on a Linux show. <laughs> but yeah, it was. I was really shocked at how fast XFCE gave you a usable interface. Um, like I was saying, the, the interface itself is very stripped down. It's very Spartan. They do have a lot of compositing effects enabled 
at the beginning um, with the, the new Zubuntu and XFCE um, at work. They, they have the typical GNOME bar at the top with your drop-down menus and then your clock and system tray at the top. And then on the bottom, they have a transparent um, quick launch screen that hides away when you're not using it. Now, in the XFC management at home on the laptop, it's just the typical black bar across the bottom that you have to customize from there. And I think that's mainly because the XFCE version I have installed on the laptop is older than the version that Zubuntu comes shipped with. But uh, it's still both in both environments. It's still very Spartan, very clean, very lean. Um, not as lean as, say, something like OpenBox, but still a very lean interface. So uh, give me, give me a, that's a, a again, um, subjective description. What do you mean by lean? There's not much running. Um, I mean, other than your, your basic applets that you would need to have, your, your netbook, your network applet, your, if you have Bluetooth installed, that applet, and your volume applet are basically the ones you really will have. Um, so it doesn't desk- have desktop widgets showing you the weather and, no. and your Gwibber login and all that stuff that Ubuntu tends to have all loaded right. by default. Right. All this, it, it, you know, once you enable those programs, they will show up. But the very initial login, um, it's very, it's a very Spartan environment, um, which as a minimalist, I really like. I really like that Spartan look. Um, and then, of course, I clutter it up later. <laughs> But, uh, so let's see, um, let's see, I lost my train of thought. Um, I I think you were going to talk about file managers next. Right. Uh, oh, actually I was going to start, I was going to let you guys know that, um, XFCE has a lot of roots in the GNOME or GNOME interface. A lot of the applets and system, um, trays are in, are using that GNOME, um, GTK applets. All right. So, it, and if anything that will run in GNOME, you'll get it to run in XFCE without much of an issue at all. Interesting Some bit of, of trivia that uh, noobs might not know, just because I'm playing Aaron's role tonight. I don't have any content, so I'm just sniping from from the uh, afar. Uh, GTK stands for GIMP Toolkit. It was written for the application GIMP, and the the, the entire GNOME desktop grew out of GIMP, not the other way around, like you might expect. That is interesting bit of trivia. Yep. I would say it's above it's trivia kind of a, because it's not trivial. That's something you need to know. <laughs> but um, the GTK um, system is a really good system to design, but that's off the subject. Some of their software choices are a little weird to pick when you first get into them. They're a little odd. Like their file manager is called Thundar. Um, Does it have a cat <laughs> as the logo? I don't know. I think so. Thundar cat would be hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I know from experience a couple years ago, um, the file manager couldn't do Samba sharing, which is why I stayed away from XFCE. Um, a lot of the work I do at, at the job and at home involves Samba file shares. So if it couldn't see them without me hand mounting them, that kind of breaks my environment. So I never used it. Now, recently, the new Thundar manager has the ability to browse Samba file shares, and you can actually mount them without, just like you can in Nautilus. Um, 
a lot of the software that's installed by default is the same software that is installed with uh, any standard um, Ubuntu. Very good. File. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying, but it still feels funny. Um, Ubuntu. <laughs> that's all of them wrong. Ubuntu. So anyway, the uh, the software sl- selection is basically the same that is in any basic install of, of Ubuntu. So it's got um, the software have, center and the standard repositories and all that. Yep. Right? All that's is pretty, basically the same. Um, they do have a different software installer as well as the Ubuntu software center. So like they have Synaptic and stuff like that. Um, but there's Firefox and Thunderbird. All the basics are there. Um, but some of the places I felt it felt a little short were in like the way it controlled some of the external devices that I have at both places. Um, the Bluetooth control felt really basic and stripped down. Um, but that might just be coming from KDE that gives you all the power to do anything and everything you want with it. And not everybody is a big Bluetooth guy. I don't, the only Bluetooth I use is between my phone and my earpiece. Chris is a Bluetooth nut. So when when he talks about Bluetooth controls not being quite as fine grained, that that's sort of like a wine enthusiast talking about the difference between a, a two dollar box wine and a high end thing. Most people, you know, the average Walmart customer customer don't care. It's will it make me drunk? So uh, right, yeah, I'm I am one of the Bluetooth enthusiasts. I have three different Bluetooth headsets, a couple Bluetooth mice, and in XFCE with the GNOME. Um, Blue Man controller, it's very stripped down. I can't run like I can't run two headsets at the same time, which you might think why, but there's reasons I do. <laughs> um, mainly because one of them is a stereo headset for when I'm running around the house, and the other one is a actual headset for speaking on. But I can't have either one of those plugged in. I can't have them both turned on at the same time, and I can't dictate application to a particular headset and with the kde thing or the kde bluetooth manager uh, blue daemon i can't same thing with the sound control if they could move to the kde sound control system i would be a lot happier um you can't dictate you know like uh skype uses the headphones while the desktop speakers use you know pandora I, I can't do that in XFCE, but I can do that in KDE. So I think that's a limitation that their sound system has. Um, they have a control manager that's very similar to GNOME when it comes to you know one place to edit all your different tools. Um, I'm just trying to – I can't – since I didn't get to work on all my notes today, I'm short. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing fine. Let's see. Um, printer a- the the printer application is still GNOME and it works just as well as any other GNOME interface would. So um, KDE and and GNOME and and these things are all modular sort of things. Could you drop in the uh, KDE sound and Bluetooth applets and run it? I mean, I know that is theoretically supposed to be popular uh, possible since they all run on separate libraries. Have you experimented with that? I have. And what happens is is then you end up with the them infighting each other. So if you have the KDE sound manager running, 
it wants to do things its way, and then the gnome interface changes things on it, and so there's, there's this infighting between the two. Um, I'm sure I could install one and remove the other without breaking anything. That was something I did not try. Okay. But uh, all in all, if you don't have, if you've never been into KDE and you are a GNOME user, you could probably make the switch to XFCE and be really happy with it, especially if you're on an older machine with a little bit aged hardware and you want something that's fast and, and nimble, XFCE would be a good place to start. And then if it's not, you could always move down to something more Spartan like um, LXDE or CrunchBang. So uh, talk about CrunchBang a little bit. You've mentioned it uh, before. Uh, tell me about that just quickly. Um, okay, well, a 10,000-foot view of, of CrunchBang is a Debian-based operating system that runs the Lightbox um display or desktop manager um it would be like comparing xfce to uh kde is that that big of a difference in in the ability for the thing to you know the the amount of configurations and the amount of of overhead that kde has well when you step down to xfce the overhead is a lot less and if you go down again to lightbox there's even less overhead running just the straight up desktop so it's more about launch an application launcher than it is a desktop environment. If I'm here, yeah, yeah. Once you get down to to the lightbox level, you're you're literally the 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 desktop itself is almost completely out of your way. So you're um, going back to the old Windows program manager where you just have things that you select and they launch. Pretty much, yeah. um, there's a right click menu, and that's about all you get. You can add to it, but adding the more you add to lightbox the more things that are then running and then slowing you down. Um, but CrunchBang on an old machine, this is, we tried it on a Pentium 3 laptop this summer. And it went from non-usable to usable for all summer long. We used it as our Wi-Fi sniffer through the entire summer. Worked great. Um, the battery management actually went from unusable in, in Windows XP to... Uh, we could get a whole day out of it because it was so Spartan. It was so light on the hardware resources. Yeah, Puppy is the one I go to, my go-to thin environment when I uh, need to do that. I need to have a look at CrunchBang, but I, I like Puppy Linux uh, when when you don't need to do much. You just need something to work. Yep. But Since Seth's not here, I'll say, so does Seth. <laughs> yes, he is a Puppy enthusiast. Uh, episode uh, 5. Hmm. By the way, if you want to hear our thoughts on Puppy Linux, go back and, and do that at elementop.com. Uh, I just wanted to talk philosophically for just a minute. It's interesting that uh, desktop environments have, for the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years, been all about adding more stuff. You know, and, and hardware has hardware has outstripped software for the last decade easily. We've had hardware that we really have trouble tapping into. That's why... We're all still running 32-bit applications on our 64-bit processors because the software hasn't caught up with it yet. Um, and it's interesting to see this uh, sort of um, 
reversion going back to the thinner thing. And I think the mobile, the mobile, the mobile slash tablet uh, interface is what's driving that because we're back to those constrained environments again. We're back to having uh, a weak processor and not a lot of RAM. And so out of right. that is is going. We're rediscovering sort of the golden age, golden age of minimalism. And so that sounds like what you're, you're describing with XFCE and and uh, even uh, um, uh, Crunch Crunchbang Crash Crunchbang Crunchbang um, is the idea that uh, less is more. Just give me my stuff. Don't give me yep. don't give me compositing. Don't give me glass. Don't give me uh, things bouncing in the corner. Just let me have my word processor. Let me have my web browser and leave me the heck alone. Right, and that's where it. it that's well. It, a lot of people that are afraid, or not afraid, but really against Unity are moving to XFCE because it's back to that general, you can con- control how the screen looks. You can put the two taskbars where you want them. Um, the the customizability is back to the user, not taken away. Um, I You know, I, you know I, that might be the reason, Mark, that the People are going back to the to the simpler times, but I think it's because people are are seeing that okay, if I disable all this fluff, you know, my browser opens a half a second faster. Or well, you know, that's that's the way the development of any technology is. You do stuff just because you can, and then you go back and realize ah, I shouldn't. You know, yep. blinking text on the web. A lot of people did it because they could, and then shortly they realized, oh, we shouldn't. Uh, and so I think that's what was happening is um, the last few years, GNOME and KDE and Windows and, and uh, I, uh, the Mac OS have all been fighting to have the most stuff on their desktops. And now they're trying to, to, to slim that down, but I think they're going about it, in my opinion, the wrong way. They're They're removing functionality rather than removing stuff so you know like my yeah. my earlier uh, analogy to the program manager you know that was that was essentially the launcher that you have on your android or ios phone right now it's it displays everything for you you click it it runs um and you know, there's nothing wrong with that but it's you know it's the the phrase i've used on the show uh many times before the tablet tabletification of everything we're trying to turn every computing environment into a tablet and i think that's the the wrong lesson to learn and i yeah. hope that that these minimalist desktops will catch on and people will see that you can have um this the best of both worlds and you know the other thing i noticed about xfce is um you can also do the uh see through the transparencies that you know we we barely touched on with gnome 2.32 when now that we're running it in GNOME 3 and Unity, they're having those transparencies big time or, you know, back into a place. But you can turn on those transparencies in, in XFCE quickly and turn them quickly off. So if you do like the, the fluff, but like the speed, you can still get some of it with XFCE. Uh, my the, our recent comments have started a firestorm in the chat room. I think we have a couple guys there who are ready to go uh, down to South South Africa and storm Shuttleworth's <laughs> house um, down with Unity, ho- hoisting torch and pitchfork. Uh, so <laughs> we things get heated when you start taking away our beloved GNOME and KDE environments. Uh, yep. 
but I, I think that it's important to remember that this too will be a learning phase. We will experiment with things like Unity and the, the HUD display and these sort of things. We'll take the best of them and then we'll move on. Um, I just personally, I'm going to be sitting back here with GNOME and happy with it for as long as I can. Well, have you tried anything with the, oh, I can't remember what it's called in Linux or Mint 12, where it's the, oh, I can't think of what it's called now, where they rewrote all the, the GNOME 2.32 libraries. Jake in the chat room says it's Mate. Mate, yeah, that might be it. Yeah, they, so they, they sort of backported GNOME 3 stuff to GNOME 2, right? Uh, we talked right. about that a little bit when we talked about Mint 12, and our impression then was that it was not ready for prime time. But no, I haven't gone back and looked at it to see if they've gotten better at it. I haven't looked at it either. I'm curious to find out what it's like. Maybe I'll throw a virtual box up and take a peeky at Mate and see what I think of it. Well, that's going to be tricky unless your virtual box can handle 3D acceleration. Ooh. Because they, it, I think it doesn't run. Uh, it defaults back to the old GNOME 2. Or maybe I'm confusing that with Unity. I don't remember. I think, I think that was Unity that, that wouldn't would, uh, drop you back to the fallback mode. But I think Mate, you can run without 3D compositing. All right. It'll be interesting to throw that into my, K, my uh, KVM and see what happens. I just clicked the wrong button and showed the entire chat room my Gmail cha- uh, email inbox. Cool. <laughs> I hope those, uh, I hope those pornos weren't uh, visible on the on the stream there. <laughs> That's Mark Cockrell at <laughs> Mark at elementop.com. Element OP. So uh any final thoughts on, on XCF XFCE or WWE or uh World Class Championship Wrestling uh-huh. or, or any of those others? Anybody watch UFC on Fox last night? I did. Yeah, UFC and Fox is awesome. It was wonderful. But as far as XFC goes, um, if you're a, if you don't like the way Unity is going and you don't like GNOME 3 right now, XFCE is your next best thing unless you want to try KDE out. Um, which you would, I would recommend? Say, I would say, um, try them both, but I would say if you're a big GNOME person and you know the way the GNOME menus work, Try XFCE. If you don't care and you just want a desktop that will bend to your will, KDE. <laughs> Jake in the chat room says, try it all, it's free. That may be the best advice yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miguel points out that uh, he thinks XFCE is too heavy, which I think is interesting because you've called it light pretty much throughout this entire discussion. Have they actually decided on what the mass of an electron is? Because... I think you can add them all up in any version that's going to be, you know, negligible. Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. I felt <laughs> like I had to say something tonight. I'm going to sit here for an hour and a half. I'm going to say something. Something. <laughs> no, but somebody did. I uh, I don't remember the, the thing, but somebody figured out, calculate, calculated approximately what the Internet weighs. If you took all the electrons... In all the data, roughly, of course, nobody knows exactly what it is, but they came up with a rough estimate. It's the same way there's an equation to figure out how many planets are in the universe. Right. In you know, how, it, it's interesting because we call it infinite, and mm-hmm. yet we can measure it. If that's the case, uh, you know, I'm, it I'm gonna, when I get that spare couple of hours, I'm going to drum up a uh, an online um, infographic to to save the hard drives because all of these 
you know, people that are always talking about, you know, don't print an email because you're wasting a tree, you know, that whole green movement. Every time you copy somebody and send them something, that's taking up drive space somewhere. You're wasting hard drives. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a whole movement about that. When you email me, I don't respond with a, uh, thanks or okay, because that just ends up in somebody's inbox right. and they don't delete it and it takes up hard drive space. I'm doing my best to keep the landfills empty so we can put diapers and tires in them. There Recycle electrons. Uh, I, I exactly. saw a tagline on a Usenet group that said, uh, this message printed on 100% recycled electrons. There, you, there go. you go. Somebody's already done it for me. Never mind. There you go. Uh, just speaking of not really anything related to this, but something you said that reminded me of this, I saw somebody posted something on Facebook uh, today that was a, 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 a graphic, a JPEG, that said, hey, people, stop writing words and putting them as pictures on Facebook. Thank you. Because <laughs> I'm funny. sure you've all seen that right now. Some pithy yeah. saying, but they can't just write the pithy saying. It has to be yeah. share a, the picture. a graphic, a, an image. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like the because it catches your attention. That's what it is. Otherwise, you just it's another status to ignore. Right. <sighs> and we all do that anyway. So who no. cares? <laughs> I'll be absolutely honest. I was a big Facebook user a year ago, and my Facebook usage has dwindled mightily. Yeah, because other people got there, and once people get there, it ruins everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, personally, I try to stay off Facebook. I've always stayed off Facebook. I I don't even check in or do any of that stuff on Facebook. It's just, I have better things to do than to spew out nonsense. So this seems like a perfect time to remind you that you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash element OB. Chris, do you have a command line tip this week? I do have a command line tip this week. Pass WD. And I'm sure all the Linux guys went, oh yeah. Um, A lot of times... You you know I personally like to change my password this way just because it's quick and I don't have to go through all the menus. And because you're a command line guy. That too. But the other thing that's nice about PassWD is you can use it to change other users' password. So like say someone forgot a password, you could use PassWD to change it without having to load in and do the command line jump th- or the the menu jumps to get to the users and groups section of your you know control panel. So if you're ever in a bind, you want to do a quick password change, pass WD, and you can get it done. I, so just, do you- I, I just think it's so funny that Chris is such a command line guy that the, the act of moving his hand from the keyboard and touching his, his mouse <laughs> is just anathema to him. He, he can't do that. It's no. Like, if I have to click something, oh, that's just terrible. Why would I click something when I can simply type a command? And the, other th- the world will evolve where mice will go away. <laughs> well, and the other thing that's horrible is I don't even have a mouse on my desk. I have a trackball. Okay. So I don't even move my hand. It's my fingers that move if I want to <laughs> use my track, if I want to use something. That's just how lazy I am. I don't want to take my hands off the keyboard. So you what can you mount, it, do? mount it under your chin. You can move the <laughs> trackball with your chin <laughs> so your hands can stay on the keyboard. Get one of those. It, it, get one it, of those it hit the buttons that- with my tongue, right? Yeah, get one of those <laughs> pens that quadriplegics use where you blow into it and it yep. controls things. And then you that'd be perfect. Uh what are you gonna do when everything is a touch interface or, or the, the the minority report gesture interface? You're gonna be like, I can't I have to lift my hands. What what my elbows have been locked in this position since ninety three. I don't know what to do. It's like gooey, boring, brain, atrophying. <laughs> 
Must I can't do it, Captain. <laughs> must load command line. <laughs> I'll find a way to put a command line in. That's all there is to it. I, I bet you do, don't you? Do you have a... No, we've talked about this before. You don't have a smartphone. But when you have a smartphone, you're going to put a terminal on it. I know you are. Yeah. Today, for $1.99 in the App Store, it's virtual command line. <laughs> well, well, remember, guys, I have a Kindle. And guess what was one of the first apps I put on it? <laughs> a terminal app? <laughs> Something so I can SSH. Of course, because <laughs> the Kindle is all the way over there. And why would I want to reach for it when I can just SSH into it from my keyboard? <laughs> well, there's that, and then, like, I'm, I'm actually the the Kindle actually had some saving grace in my book for touching. Um, there's a TiVo app for it, so that that kind of saved my grace a little bit. I can actually touch the Kindle and go, "I want to watch that show now." <laughs> Funny. All right, Aaron, what is your reminder of the week? Those of you that are out there in the chat room right now and laughing in hilarity at the wonderful content being provided to you by. Chris, the command line godfather, and Mark, and to much lesser degree myself, you may not realize that if you go to elementopi.com, up at the top, one of the tabs says tip jar. And uh, I know that you may think that we're all rich and wealthy because we have a podcast, but that's not the case. We have kids, we have mortgages, and we have kids with mortgages, some of us. And uh, it would be great if you're out there and you're listening and you'd like to support Mark and elementopi.com because he's pretty much footing the bill for all this, to be honest with you. It would be great to go in the tip jar and put $2 or $4 or $10 and say, hey, that last episode was great. I'm going to give you five bucks for that last episode. That was a fantastic episode. I went in this week myself because Mark also um, pretty much uh, through the grace of God and the, the powers that be, you know, sponsors One Meal, One Workout, the podcast that I primarily host. And I, th I threw $25 in there and I wish it could have been 2500 Maybe one day it will be able to, but just as a thank you to Mark for all the time and effort he puts in mixing down the show, posting the show, running the website, answering the forums, uh, troubleshooting uh, um, whatever that thing is called, Droomla, Droomla, Drupal, that too, and uh, all that. So, Mark, thank you. I wish it was more than $25, but I just wanted to remind everybody the tip jar is there for your convenience. I do appreciate that, Aaron, and I appreciated your uh, contribution. In fact, when I... When I saw that, I thought, why is he? I'm supposed to be paying him. He's a host on my network. I, I should be giving him money. Um, once, you, once you make some from my show, feel free to pay me. <laughs> and then the, the second thing is just on that same note, a selfish plug, semi-selfish. I, I would imagine most of our everyday Linux users use computers. Um, I'm just guessing. I'm going out on a limb there. I'm going way out on a limb that they use computers, and probably the vast majority of them even use them a lot. Uh, if you don't listen to One Mill One Workout, that's another show on the Element Open Network that I host, and it's about food and fitness. I am a computer user and a former fat guy. I've lost about 150 pounds in the last 18 months or so. And just thought I'd throw a plug out there. This this last week we had uh, a guest, Travis Saunders, who's uh, doing his doctoral research about being sedentary, which most computer users are. And so that show is already out on it dropped on Friday. So it would by the time you hear this podcast. Um, when, when will this come out, Mark? What day? Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, so by the time you this podcast is available, uh, so the guys in the chat room is a little bit ahead, but by the time this podcast is available, um, the previous Friday, go back and you can search for it under his name on, on Element OP or just look in the One Mill Workout episodes. I think it's episode 31. Uh, and then Monday on One Mill One Workout, I actually put up um, a post about my standing desk that I created. So I don't know if you've got that ability to do that where you work, but... It's a great way to burn a few more calories, be a little more mobile, be a little healthier, 
cost me fourteen dollars and seventy nine cents to build it in one trip to Home Depot in about fifteen minutes. So a uh, couple of couple of plugs there. One for the tip jar and one for one mill one workout. Well, to be precise, you didn't build a standing desk. You converted an existing desk to a standing desk. Correct. I'm, I work in a cubicle, so I don't have a lot of options about what I can do. So I basically bought a little 13-inch high shelf at Home Depot that's meant to be like a little TV stand or something. It was the perfect width for a keyboard and mouse, and you'll see this in the picture. I've got a picture of it there. And I bought some little, um, I'm sure you've seen them, Mark, the little furniture feet, the replacement furniture right, feet. Right. They have the little tiny nail on the bottom of it. Um, because I measured, I actually, my prototype was paper boxes, and the height was just right. So I measured the paper boxes, found the shelf. The shelf was a little short. Went to the hardware aisle, bought four, a four-pack for a dollar seventy-nine or ninety-seven dollar ninety-seven of the little feet. Hammered them in with the end of a screwdriver, and that raised up the shelf just the right height. And so I actually got a little extra shelf under there to stick some things, and it's great. I, I call it Mega Desk, an homage to the office. And uh, I keep inviting people into Megadesk when they come by and they have to ask me a question. Oh, they'll come on into Megadesk and we'll talk about it. And I'm going to, I'm going to run that into the ground for the next couple of weeks. So everyone's sick of it, but I've got a couple other people talking about it. We may see a few Megadesks pop up. I'm going to charge them five bucks. Everybody <laughs> Royalty fee. Yeah. There you go. I'll just offer to build them one for 20. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's my, that's the end of my selfish plug. All right, guys. Anything else before we start to wrap things up? Um, no, nah, other than wrap away, <laughs> bring on the show topics. Yes, yes. We, uh, for the last three or four weeks, everything we've done has been either suggested or inspired by listener feedback. We appreciate that, but we're also out. So we're going to have to start falling back on our own creativity. And that's you don't want that good. to happen. You don't want that to happen. <laughs> no, that means I end up talking more. You don't want that to happen. Yeah. So we end up having Seth doing uh, 45 minutes of news stories so that yeah. we can say, we like Linux, and then that's it. So <laughs> we need con- con- uh, uh, feedback. We need you to contact us. And the way to do that, as we've mentioned several times throughout the show, is go to elementop.com. Find the forums there. Find the contact link. Find the call us button uh, where you can uh, actually Google Voice calls you and you can leave us a voicemail. If you do that, we will play your voicemail on the show. You can also find us at Facebook or Twitter. And despite the recent disparagement of Facebook, I do check that. If you leave something there, I will see it. So uh, that's facebook.com slash elementop. And uh, let us know what's going on in your life. Hey, it doesn't have to be about Linux. We can talk about bacon, as we often have. Uh, Bacon's uh, yummy. <laughs> so just uh, let us know what's going on out there because the the whole idea is that uh, we work for you. We are your employees, and we need you to tell us what to do once in a while. So awesome. Without any further ado, I will simply say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. Mm-hmm.